Welcome to Rising, 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 Rising. From the ashes, <laughs> I'm Danu Naki Dan. I'm the homie Romy. What is happening with you? Yo, what's up? Oh, man? just we got Charlie motherfucking no, Robinson. You're fucking with me for real? Y- your daddy. That's my dad. That's my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dad I never had. On the show Sweet. today. Yeah, man. I'm really excited, dude. I. It's gonna it's gonna be a great yeah, he's, one. Yeah, he's he's um he's he's been holding me tried and true through these uh these co- these COVID months. His show, like I just love his energy. And uh, when we reached out to him, I was kind of like, oh, he responded with like, yeah, I think his verbatim words were fucking a, let's do a podcast. And I was like, that's a yes. <laughs> oh shit, I wasn't expecting yes. I wasn't even expecting a response. Uh, and so it was really awesome. And I, I, I enjoyed Excellent. our, our experience with him. Uh, what about you? Yeah, dude. Uh, I really like talking about UFOs and aliens and shit, honestly. <laughs> yes. Uh, even though like I've kind of gotten out of that thing, I still, I still love it. I, I'm still attracted to alien beings. I, you know, I just get reminded of that Katy Perry song all the time. <laughs> Which one? About. Having sex with extraterrestrials. Literally never heard that. That's crazy. What song is this? You haven't heard that Katy Perry song where she's talking about fucking an extraterrestrial? I, surprisingly enough, I don't listen to much Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not on my Discover Weekly. Touché. I, I wish. Touché. I wish. But for Touché. you know, for that type of entertainment of her sleep, uh, uh, having sweet, sexy, sultry dreams about sleeping with an alien. I might have to, uh, might have to well, gander. I do say, look up the ET song by Katy Perry after we're done with this. <laughs> you'll, you'll, I'm, I'm you'll sure like I it. will. Sure. Uh, so we talk about social media censorship. Yep. Uh, we talk about him writing the book, how he got into writing what the book? book, Octopus of Global the Control. Octopus of Global Control. Uh, we talk a little bit about the control mechanisms, mm-hmm. uh, the eight legs of the octopus. Powers that be. And we, we talk about uh, the media, Mainstream. predictive yeah. programming, the UFO agenda, MK Oof. Ultra, and time. Time, time, time on a non-linear uh, line. In part one. That, in part, oh, uh, shit. We did, we, part, there's going to be a part two after this? There's two. There's two parts. No bro. way! Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. I didn't even know we were capable <laughs> of such things. Oh yeah, we we can accomplish anything we set our minds. Truly, truly. Uh, so, so let's get into some uh, RFTA news. <laughs> A-R-F-T-A News This week on RFTA News We gonna have some uh, Some sweet Herbal medicine And are you ready for today's Herbaceous goodness Yeah We are going Hit We're gonna be talking it. about Jasmine. Jasmine Jasmine You know it You love it It um, <laughs> You better love it It's great Honestly dude it's so when I look into 
like what we're going to do. Like there's so many plants. There's so many fucking things. I don't even know how I, I find them. I just start looking into like things that I need help with on my body level. And I am always concerned with oral health, right? Like mouth health. It's really, really important to me like to try to keep my chompers as, as pearly white and disease-free as possible. Because from time to time, I'd be eating some, you know, coconut-covered cashews, you know, macadamia nuts, having some good cane sugar float up in my, uh, my mouth hole. And, you know, I just... We have to, in today's society with the diets that we have, we have to really try to keep good mouth care. And what we know or what people should hopefully know by now is that fluoride is just, it's not really a good chemical. You can get toxins into through your skin, right? But you can get toxins in even easier and bacteria forming a lot more in your mouth. It's an open hole into your body. So... Get the fluoride out. Anyways, Jasmine, baby, let's go into it. Some folklore and some history on the jasmine plant. The name jasmine derives from the Persian word yasmin, meaning gift from God. With its flower held highly sacred in India and in the Himalayas, in India, jasmine is considered the essence of mystery and magic. Indian women use it to scent their hair and call it the moonlight of grove. Jasmine is the national flower of Pakistan, the sacred flower of Kama, the god of love. On the day before a wedding, the bride-to-be wears a garland of jasmine and roses around her neck as a sensual symbol of her purity and passion. In the symbolism of flowers, jasmine represents purity, simplicity, modesty, and strength. The plant is also the national flower of the Philippines and has an international reputation with many nicknames, such as the Maid of Orleans, Belle of India, the Duce de Toscani. The intoxicating scent of the flowers is the most powerful in the evening and is said to be even stronger during a waning moon. It's, it has a lot of metaphysical properties in the spiritual realm. You can find a lot of info on it being used in potions. If you're looking into like the Wiccan and magic world, um, lots of spiritual background, the earliest documentations of Jasmine flower, 8,000 BCE, if I'm not mistaken. Jasmine scent is so prized that its flowers are harvested to create oils to be worn to attract love, lust, and happiness. However, it takes roughly 3,600,000 delicate jasmine flowers and a considerable amount of time to create just one pound of jasmine absolute, which is pure jasmine oil, uh, thus lending to a hefty price of around $5,000. If the flower is bruised or damaged, it will not yield the same scented oil. Which I thought was interesting. So if you have a fresh jasmine leaf, you can press it and get that smell that goes into many perfumes. But if it's damaged by any means, apparently the scent is uh, is changed a lot. Um, to afford jasmine oil was a sign of wealth and prosperity, and traditionally only royalty or clergy could afford them. Because of this, jasmine became associated with the goddesses, especially the moon, and can be used to invoke an honor 
goddesses associated with the moon, love, and sexuality. Today, jasmine oils on the market are considerably cheaper but significantly diluted. Jasmine oil can be placed on your pillow to induce restful sleep and prophetic dreams or used to anoint candles and objects during the prosperity spells. <sighs> yeah, um, <laughs> uh, that's all the, like I was talking about, um, less of the actual medicinal qualities of it and more of the aromatherapy and spiritual side of the herb. It, it, it is a really old plant flower that goes back thousands and thousands of years that not only has a bunch of spiritual qualities and aromatherapeutic qualities and, and has been in the high royals of China, India, uh, all of the Middle East, and even into Europe and the Roman Empire. Uh, Jasmine was, you know, up there. From this, if you guys really want to get into uh, the the mystical side of jasmine you can go to flyingthehedge.com that's that's where i got that information it's a lot of really deep uh shit about that i love i love it i love it but what got me into jasmine for this episode specifically um, i'll go into the medicinal qualities of jasmine um is used as an aphrodisiac is used for a heavy anti-anxiety and stress reliever. And so jasmine tea is really good at night. They call it the flower of the moon. So there's a lot of symbolism that goes into jasmine being used, the oils or the tea or whatever, in the evening time. Like, don't be drinking jasmine tea in the morning unless you just, like, are chilling. Like, you're like, oh, I'm just going to spend all day at home with my baby drinking jasmine tea, getting all getting all purple with it. You know what I mean? Smelling all good. <laughs> but outside of that, uh, outside of that, it actually has uh, antifungal, antimicrobial properties with the, the constituents of jasmine as what they call oral thrush. Like you could take raw jasmine flower and chew it up in your mouth and it will protect your gums from the uh the disgusting decay that lays out there with the cane sugar and this the diet like man like you realize all the shit we put in our mouth i don't know if unless you have an incredibly clean diet it's like the stuff going in our mouth is just not good the mouth oral is also directly correlated with heart health so like your mouth they say your mouth and your heart health are directly correlated. So the healthier your mouth is, the healthier your heart health is going to be. So I, I just try to stress the importance of people because I just love, I want all my people to be as healthy as possible, you know, and, and in today's world with the stressors and stuff. And that's why we do this segment. So, um, and, and for all the fire tribe, yo, all the fire tribe needs to get educated and we are here. And please, if you have any other info on it, <laughs> let us know. But also I had a tooth fall out of my mouth. That's another reason. So mm. I don't know if it was oral thrush or some sort of fungal thing, or if it was lack of vitamins, vitamin deficiency. I was vegan for a few years and that's when it happened. It happened at the peak of my plant-based lifestyle so like i was vegan for like two and a half years and i like was flossing and half of my tooth back here one of my bigger teeth fell out half of it right and i was like what the fuck and i was like mm -mm, nope can't have that 
Can I have that? Like, I'd be brushing. I'd be <laughs> flossing. Like, I love to floss. Like, I, like, I'm covered in tattoos, man. The pain, bro, when I get the floss in my gums, like, it feels good. I go for it, right? I'm not – I think it was either vitamin deficiency. I don't know what it was. I have I have a thing about veganism being a psyop up of sorts, and I I'm I'm entertain I'm intertangled in like the it's either incredibly good for us or it's on the side of like trying to get people so vitamin deficient and hormone deficient that we're just easily manipulated, right? So they pushed the whole veganism thing to a mainstream level. Potentially, I don't know. I was doing it for a few years, mm. and now I eat a shit ton of fish and beef and stuff. So, and eggs and cheese, bro. I just had a cheese flight early, earlier. Pineapple chef, you know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> the mango habanero gouda, smoked. All right, kid, uh, it's good. Hey, kid, is good, huh? So, <laughs> I don't know how how the segment went today for you guys. That's all I got, man. Jasmine, it's got some deep esoteric history to it on a metaphysical sense. Um, you know, in China and Hindu and Egypt, and it's an antidepressant, an aphrodisiac, and it helps with oral health of not getting fungal or any sort of infections into your mouth or your gums. So if you don't have Jasmine in your shelves, order it online, get some start drinking it let us know what's good baby get them tea blends up in your blood how <laughs> under you <sir. laughs> all right so for today i do not have an article what? today i have an audio clip Ooh. uh it's from two weeks ago um Shmadio? an exchange between senator Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci on the floor of Congress. And Rand Paul is pressing him about gain of function research. So, what is gain of function? I'm going to let Roman handle that one. So, I got an, I got an article here from ncbi.nlm.nih.gov books slash nbk 285579 slash. And it's a <laughs> hope you guys got all that. Uh, writing it down right now as you're frantically typing yeah, write it, it down. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's from NCBI and it's about the National Institute of Health, right? So the gain of function on this highly technical definition, which has been tweaked, um, but we can go into it like this. Gain of function research as defined by the U.S. government. Uh, many participants pointed out during the course of the meeting at the that the broad term gain of function needs some refinement. That will differentiate the type of experiments typically performed for basic virological research from experiments that clearly raise concerns. So what they're talking about is gain of function basically is where they will genetically modify or add on to an existing virus. Uh, so if they have, you know, SARS or COVID, they can, you know, add to it, subtract to it and tweak it basically getting the function of it, the gain of function of that virus, right? Specifically in the virological world. Um, So when asked to define where virological research crosses into the line of gain of function research as defined by the U.S. government, 
Subararo uh, responded that the term gain of function is used by Genesis and is a vague, unsatisfactory term for microbiologist. Apparently here, Subaru is a microbiologist who does, you know, virological studies. Um, and he's basically, uh, he responded to the, the claim, basically saying, the term gain of function is used by Genesis and is a vague and unsatisfactory term for microbiologist. The statement was echoed by Imperial and many others during the discussion. Sabaro pre- uh, presented a list of experiments that encompass all influenza viruses, SARS-CoV and MERS-CoV, that can be reasonably anticipated to increase pathogenicity or transmissibility in mammalian species, meaning the con- how contagious it is to humans. And so that would mean that gain of function research is research to make a virus stronger or more potent so that way they could test it to see if they could come up with solutions for it. So in case a super virus were to get out, they would know how to react to it. Is that what I'm understanding by gain of function. Exactly. So like it's a simulated uh, experience within a lab in a virus. They basically, they yeah. they, they can yeah. Yeah, make it stronger. They can add more to it. So that means that gain of function studies are basically taking viruses and making them stronger. You know, and these videos are really great that you bring up today, bro. And I'm really glad that you do because they are a great example of uh, Rand Paul brings up great points of like, what the fuck are you guys doing? This hundreds of thousands yeah. of millions of the millions of dollars. I'm not even say hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars going into the National Science Association for studies. It sounds like money laundering or like a drug front. Like, oh, how has the laundromat been there for 30 years? No one's been in the fucking laundromat. Oh, it's because they're you know. They're using it as a front, basically. Well, let, let's get into the clip and, and we'll, we'll see let's what go. they say. We don't know whether the pandemic started in a lab in Wuhan or evolved naturally, but we should want to know. Three million people have died from this pandemic, and that should cause us to explore all possibilities. Instead, government authorities, self-interested in continuing gain-of-function research, say there's nothing to see here. Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. Juicing up super viruses is not new. Scientists in the U.S. have long known how to mutate animal viruses to infect humans. For years... Dr. Ralph Barrick, a virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute, sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIH. The collaboration between the U.S. and the Wuhan Virology Institute continues. Doctors Barrick and Shi worked together to insert bat virus spike protein into the backbone of the deadly SARS virus and then use this man-made supervirus to infect human airway cells. Think about that for a moment. The SARS virus had a 15% mortality. We're fighting a pandemic 
that has about a 1% mortality. Can you imagine if a SARS virus that's been juiced up and had viral proteins added to it, to the spike protein, if that were released accidentally? Dr. Fauci, do you... So that's part of it right there. So could you believe what would happen if a juiced up SARS protein were released on the public? What, What else do they call... COVID now, they call it SARS-CoV-2. Yeah. And, 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 and the vaccines are basically to prevent from, they say not COVID now, but the future alterations of COVID. So it sounds like yeah. exactly like gain of function. So let's listen to what Fauci had to say in response. Still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan. Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute Do they fund Dr. Barrick? We do not fund Do you fund Dr. Barrick's gain-of-function research? Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina. You don't think inserting a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain of function. That is not a minority because at least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the progress reports, it is not gain of function, despite the fact that people tweet that so they do you still support it? sending money to the Wuhan Virology Institute? We do not send money now to the to Wuhan do Virology Institute. support sending money? We did, under your tutelage. We were sending it through EcoHealth. It was a sub-agency right. and a sub-grant. Do you support that the money from NIH that was going to the Wuhan Institute? Let me explain to you why that was done. The SARS-CoV-1 originated in bats in China. It would have been irresponsible of us if we did not investigate the bat viruses and the serology to see who might have been or, infected. Or perhaps it would be irresponsible to send it to the Chinese government that we may not be able to trust with this uh, knowledge and with this uh, incredibly dangerous viruses. Government scientists like yourself who favor gain of function research. I don't favor gain of function research in China. Okay, so boom. Pay attention to that because Fauci says that it comes from bats. He said it comes from bats. And he also said that the gain of function, did he say the gain of function research that they were doing was in North Carolina? He said the doctor, uh, uh, doctor, the doctor been, has claims for doing gain of function research that if he is funded by the NIH, which he is, uh, he, Maybe doing gain yeah. of function. Well, even Rand Paul said we fund the NIH. The government funds them. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, yeah, it's so. But but basically, with like the in in a political sense, or you know, with the political slander that they do, the coding that they put on it, Fauci is just continuously throughout the entire video saying we don't give any money or pay any attention to gain of function studies. We have zero to do with that. Nothing. We. And that's all he's saying. He's like, we have nothing to do with it. 
we don't know anything about gain of function. It's not us. We're, you know, that's, that's political slander, honey coating the fucking cough drop of, you know, poison shit. Like, it's just like <laughs> the same shit. They're just the puppets with their slander of saying, basically, what's the issue? Oh, yeah, we don't know anything about that. Also, we've never funded that. What? You have facts to prove that we have? I have, I don't know anything about that. You know, it's, <laughs> that's, you see it time and time again, and it's, yeah, it's, it's disgusting politics. Yeah, it's great. And then the next video clip that we play after this video. I like this. He fucking zings them. The Just zinga. zoingles. Uh, <laughs> but let's, let's uh, finish out this one. Uh, we got about three more minutes. You were saying naturally that are not correct. Government defenders of gain of function, such as yourself, say that COVID-19 mutations were random and not designed by man. But interestingly, the technique that Dr. Barrick developed forces mutations by serial passage through cell culture that the mutations appear to be natural. In fact, Dr. Barrick named the technique the noceum technique because the mutations appear naturally. Nicholas Baker in the New York Magazine said nobody would know if the virus had been fabricated in a laboratory or grown in nature. Governor authorities in the U.S., including yourself, unequivocally deny that COVID-19 could have escaped a lab. But even Dr. Xi in Wuhan wasn't so sure. According to Nicholas Baker, Dr. Xi wondered, could this new virus have come from her own laboratory? She checked her records frantically and found no matches. That really took a load off my mind, she said. I had not slept for days. The director of the gain-of-function research in Wuhan couldn't sleep because she was terrified that it might be in her lab. Dr. Barrick, an advocate of -of gain-of-function research, admits the main problem that the Institute of Virology has is the outbreak occurred in close proximity. What are the odds? Barrick responded, could you rule out a laboratory escape? The answer in this case is probably not. Will you, in front of this group, categorically say that the COVID-19 could not have occurred through serial passage in a laboratory? I do not have any accounting of what the Chinese may have done, and I'm fully in favor of any further investigation of what went on in China. However, I will repeat again, the NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You support it in the U.S. We have 11 labs doing it, and you have allowed it here. We have a committee to do it, but the committee has granted every exemption. You're you're fooling with Mother Nature here. You're allowing super viruses to be created with a 15% mortality. It's very dangerous. I think it was a huge mistake to share this with China, and it's a huge mistake to allow this to continue in the United States. And we should be very careful to investigate where this virus came from. I fully agree that you should investigate where the virus came from. But again, we have not funded gain-of-function research on this virus in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, no matter how many times words, you're parsing you say words, it, there it was research. Happen. There was research done with Dr. Xi and Dr. Barrick. They have collaborated on gain-of-function research where they enhanced the SARS virus to infect human airway cells and they did it by merging a new spike protein on it. That is gain of function. That was joint research between the Wuhan Institute 
and Dr. Barrick. You can't deny it. Senator Paul, your time time has expired. Dr. Fauci, I will let you respond to that when we need to move on. Excuse me? You're, I will allow you to respond to that and then we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say, we. I, I don't know how many times I can say it, Madam Chair. We. So that's the end of the video right there. We have nothing to uh, do but, with gain of function at all. Never have we ever. But what Rand Paul said was there's 11 virology labs in the United States. Dr. Barrick was working at one in North Carolina and was performing gain-of-function research and was using a technique called the noceum technique, which meant he could put spike proteins on a virus and nobody would be able to tell if it came from an animal or if it came naturally or was leaked from a lab or whatever. Nobody would be able to tell where it came from, basically, is what he was saying. And it seemed like Fauci didn't really have a whole lot of answers for that. He just kept saying what they do is not called gain of function. But I understand what gain of function is uh, in the idea that if uh, another country was going to send out a virus to infect people or maybe drop a, a virus bomb that contained viruses in it onto a population yeah, but on, on a level, they would, they would want really, to know, they would want to know, like, think about it. Like that would be they the would fear, want, but they would want to know how to, how to sure. stop sure, that. That, That's the curious. You know, so they're trying to be ahead. Yeah, that's the cur- That's the curious, you know, the curious cat of the science world is to, well, we need to experience this vast variety of things because if we don't, then we won't. Maybe we'll get stabbed in the fucking back because we stabbed so many people in the back. You know, we're the big fucking bullies. What if so? If someone comes and wants to take over our shit, you know, like so. It's this whole tactic that I think societally we've been like kind of, uh, you know, we we have this fear of terrorists or we have this fear of other other countries coming for us, which I mean may or may not be fucking true, but like. You know, like it's even more fishy to me that it's even happening at all. Uh, it's fishy to do that, and I, I, you know, we should do. It. And Ron Paul's onto something. Uh, we could look into who actually funds these labs. So the virolo- virology labs are funded by probably private funders. Uh, you know, uh, Bill and Melinda uh, Gates Foundation. R- Rand Paul just said that he. Rand Paul just said the government funds these labs. So, and then, yeah, who's overseeing? You know what I mean? Like, the agendas, like, if you're creating it, how, I mean, it is just so wild. I I understand gain of function, too. I think, hey, it could make sense on a strategical level, you know. I I get it on on a way out level, but it's still crazy to play with nature. Of course. Like Rand Paul said. And you you don't know what you're fucking creating. And if it gets out like that, it could cause worldwide fucking destruction. Or they do know what they're creating and, and there's you and, and somebody's just like, oh, thanks for doing that, bud. Let me see that. Swoops it up, puts but, it in some fucking chemtrails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have theories? I don't haven't don't know how people theorize how 
the virus gets spread, right? So do they go to a specific location? They drop it out in water fountains, public places? Are they doing it in the schools? So there was this show. Oh, shit. Have you seen um, that uh, that Amazon Prime show that came out? It was an American version of the British show Utopia. Did you ever watch that one? Yeah, so I did. that's basically an entire. If you watched the American version of the Amazon Prime show Utopia, it's basically exactly all the things that are happening now during the COVID situation. And I think it's so eerily so similar that they have to put a a buffer in the beginning that says this is not due to any real life situations, especially not COVID right now. Don't freak out, but here's a sweet piece of entertainment. Anyways, in that show, you know, the Bill Gates character or whoever's funding the the fake they he's basically Bill Gates in that show because the guy who John Cusack plays is making fake meat, right? And Bill Gates was in Beyond Burger um making fake lab grown meat, which is a uh, Bill and Melinda Gates foundation source uh one of their many science companies was is working on lab grown meat. So in the show Utopia, they're doing lab grown meat and then they're giving it to the lab grown meat. The first place it goes to is where the public schools because the kids need to eat. Right? So it's like how would a virus actually spread? Really just fly over with planes and be like just release it and cl- like how does it realistically get spread on you know, on a, on a, on a mass level, like, how do you think they would do it? I, well, I heard stuff about like when we talked about Montauk and all that stuff and putting diseases on ticks and creating Lyme oh, yeah. disease and other such things like that. There was like, they were talking about designing bombs that were just filled with these ticks and they would just drop that, that fucking bomb. And then these ticks would fly everywhere. And then, the ticks would just infect everybody and then everybody would just slowly fucking yeah. die. Basically. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's a very realistic way of doing it because yet again, I'll say it. I'll say it. The Bill Bill Gates Foundation has they they had this one commercial I saw that was genetically modified mosquitoes. And it's a Bill Gates and this fucking commercial, it's so cheesy and terrible, but it's just like a bunch of mosquitoes and they try to make it look cool. But yeah, they, they literally make bugs in labs. They make the viruses in labs. I mean, like, fuck, dude, like if they really wanted to let it out, it's just, it's that easy. Put it in the bugs. People get it by mosquitoes when they go camp and they go back to their towns. They get other people sick. There you go. Damn. Yeah, I mean, it's fucked up, dude. I mean, I, really, like, why do they, why do they even do this? It's like sticking your finger in a fire. It's like you know you're gonna get fucking burned. Do you really have to fucking stick your finger in the fire to figure it out? But I guess you fucking do sometimes. Yeah, to change. Know. Oh, you know, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I I think it all has to do with money. It always does. It always has to do with money, bro. That's it all. If yeah, you usually. know, <laughs> it's root of all evil. For so sure. let's uh, let's listen to clip two. This is Rand Paul again in front of Congress. He's saying that basically uh, defund science. 
instead of defund the police. He's saying, let's defund science. They are putting way too much money into crazy, stupid shit that doesn't make any sense. Like, actually. And this money would be... (laughs) Yeah, this money would be better used for other things other than illogical, stupid science bullshit. And I'm going to play a clip right now that's going to talk about one of the ways, and then I'll play another clip uh, a little bit later uh, that talks about several more ways, and then he gets into funding for Dr. Fauci's fucking shit. Whatever. Here we go. Crazy. Science Foundation. Is it getting any better? Are they doing a better job at overseeing their money? I don't know. This bill is going to increase their funding by 68%. There's $29 billion in this bill for the National Science Foundation. So do you think the American people deserve to know where their money's being spent? This was from their sister agency, the NIH, but, you know, we can't get started without talking about it. This is over $800,000 to study whether or not Japanese quail are more sexually promiscuous on cocaine. I'm not making this up. $800,000 of taxpayer money to study whether Japanese quail are more sexually promiscuous on cocaine. You think we could have just polled the audience? You think we could have just said, what do you think? Because that's sort of the answer. The answer is yes. And yet your government spent 800 grand on that. And then when we pointed it out five years ago, did they do anything to reform it? No, they're here today to give the agencies that are doing this research more money. So $474,000 to fund research on quails, on cocaine. Yeah, J- Japanese quails on their sexual sexual motives <laughs> are they more frisky when they've done a fat bump off of some dude's boner. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh, and it and man, it, it goes deeper, right? Like what are some of the other crazy ass ones they have? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to get to those. Yeah, f- that's just, I don't know how many pounds of cocaine they got with that, how many kilos uh, that $400,000 got them, uh, and how many quails, how many kilos and quails, but... Uh, Here's the next one. This next study points out a problem with funding in general in our government. You give funds for something that ostensibly might be a good cause. So a couple of years ago, they gave money for autism, $700,000 for autism. You think... Well, autism, you know, even myself, as conservative as I am, I could probably say, well, that's a something we ought to study, autism. Well, they subcontracted 700 grand of it to a bunch of egghead researchers to watch Neil Armstrong's statement on the moon. You remember the black and white photo? He's on the moon, and he says, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, or did he really say one small step for a man? So these researchers took $700,000 to listen to that crackly old cassette recording and find out, did he say man or did he say a man? So we studied the preposition a and we spent 700 grand listening to the tape over and over and over again. And you know what they determined? They just can't decide. They're unsure, but they did recommend more money to study the problem further. (laughs) So that's another fucking crazy one to study to see if Neil Armstrong said 
One small step for a man or one step, one small step for man. It was just a one letter that they needed to figure out that cost $700,000 to figure that out. And they still couldn't figure it out. And they needed another 700,000 to continue to see if they couldn't figure it out even more. Yeah. So that's, that's what he's saying. Like our tax dollars are going to another study was like to see if you take a selfie of yourself with a smile and then look at it later. Will it make you happy? Yes. (laughs) I'm sure it actually will. Uh, uh, Honestly, yeah, but it was it was a study that cost a bunch of money. Well, and the other the other regardless. one was uh, lizards on an uh, with a limp. Remember that? What did he say? It was like a uh, a mil- uh, Yeah, I'm gonna play. So I'm gonna play the next two, which is rancher ants and then a lizard on. A yeah, treadmill. yeah. Here you go. <laughs> here we go. Ridiculous. We spent another three million dollars though, wanting to know if humans would eat ants to prevent climate change. What will you do, America, to combat climate change? Will you eat ants to combat climate change? That was a study. <laughs> this is not science. This is ridiculous in nature. Actually, I lied. I've got one more example. We spent $1.5 million studying lizards on a treadmill. So I know you've all been curious. When lizards walk and they kind of waddle and they have a funny walk, why do they walk that way? What's going on in their knee joints? What do their hip joints look like when they waddle across the lawn? Everybody wants to know that. But are you willing to spend a billion and a half of your taxpayer dollars to take x-rays, live, real-time x-rays, of a lizard walking on a treadmill? I tend to think, you know, maybe Alzheimer's research, maybe cancer research, maybe heart research. But spending good, hard cash on x-rays of a lizard on a treadmill do not strike me as the most pressing concerns of government. If that doesn't sound like a cover or a front of of money of just hundreds of thousands and uh, up to millions of dollars. Fucking blowing money. Blowing money, but what it but wiping your ass with you it. You know and it, and it could be uh, a form of just laundering money into these different things. Yeah. And they're taking the money out and doing other things with it or bribing or blackmailing other secret secret programs or whatnot. Who knows? Who knows if that's what's going on? But what Rand Paul is saying is, why are we giving these people more money? They want a 68 percent increase in the money that the government is funding them. And this is the kind of fucking research that they're doing. I, I thought it was funny too because I was like, "Is he being sarcastic when he's like, everybody wants to know why a lizard has a waddle?" I was like, "Is he <laughs> yeah. being blatantly sarcastic?" Yeah. But I think he was you, like, "But he's like, but would you I pay a million dollars?" And I was like, "This guy's sarcasm is so dry." Yeah, he was totally. Being you know, he wasn't being serious. Okay, thank thank God. Because I was like, "Is this fool actually?" Uh, cause he's in Congress and I don't know how sarcasm goes in politics, man. Like, I don't know if it, uh, if it flies super well. So that was, that was fucking funny. It's crazy, bro. I mean, man, we're kicking, keeping it political today, huh? So in the next part, he goes on to talk about Fauci and funding his fucking funding. <laughs> Fauci, Fauci. It's like Fauci, so- fake cheese. Fochi. Yeah, here we go. 
president, I would argue that instead of increasing their money, we should be decreasing their money. We also need to have oversight on where our money's being spent. There's a great deal of circumstantial evidence now that NIH money went to the Wuhan Virology Institute. There's a great deal of evidence, at least suggesting that the pandemic may have started there. We don't know for certain. I'm not saying that it did, but there is evidence now that suggests that it might have. Number one, there is no animal host for COVID-19. We have not found of the thousands of animals we tested in the wet market, none of them had COVID-19. When you take COVID-19 and you try to infect bats, which is where most coronavirus come from, what do you discover? You discover that COVID-19 is actually not very well infected in bats. The bats don't catch it very easily. It seems as if COVID-19 is most adapted for humans. But if it came from animals, shouldn't there be an animal host that is readily infected by this? The other evidence we have in the last couple of days is confirmation that three individuals at the Wuhan Institute got sick in November of last year, sick enough to be in the hospital from a virus that was previously undisclosed. They worked in the Wuhan Institute. We're told this came from the wet market lab from exotic animals, but not one animal tested positive for the virus. So we have an amendment we're hoping that will be adopted by this body that says gain of function research as defined by the NIH in 2014 will not be permitted in China. We will not fund it with American dollars. But it's like so much waste in government. I think there's no reason to be sending any money to China for research. They're a rich country. For goodness sakes, we're worried about them outcompeting us, stealing our intellectual property, and then we send them millions of dollars to do research. Why don't they spend their own money? And do we trust them enough? Are they open enough to tell us what's going on in the lab that we want to give them money? I think without question, they have not shown this. And now we're finding out that people were sick in the lab in November. No more money should flow to China for research on gain of function, which means increasing the virulence or pathogenicity or the transmissibility of COVID virus to humans. So I urge this body to adopt my amendment which says from here on out, China doesn't get any money to create super viruses in a lab. And we should continue to investigate this because 3 million people have died worldwide. We've disrupted the entire world's economy over a virus. If it came from a lab, we need to know it and it needs to be fully investigated. Thank you, Mr. President. So boom, drop a bomb. Dropping them. Right? Bombs over Fauci He just bad. said that they tested the wet market, the animals in the wet market. None of them had COVID. Three people from the Wuhan lab got sick in November, which I was saying, personally, I think I got sick with it in December before it was a thing in March. So I very well could have. And he was saying that the bats aren't even susceptible to it. They tried to infect the bats and they didn't really catch it that easily. And that it was seemed like it was more geared towards infecting humans. Mm-hmm. Gain of function. So that sounds like gain of function. Yo. It sounds like a weaponized virus. Uh-huh. It sounds like somebody created it to infect humans or at least 
benefit of a doubt here to test in case humans got infected with it so that they would know what to do or how to combat it. <laughs> just in case. in case. I'm just saying. Oh, but look, here it is. So what have they done to combat it now? Nothing. <laughs> what have their studies done? <laughs> What, what what has all of Nothing. the gain-of-function studies done now that there is a pandemic on our hands? Oh, because yeah, they weren't – they didn't have a vaccine. Well, Operation Warp Speed. You know, yeah. More money down the fucking toilet hole. It's like, <laughs> bro, like, I'm trying to build a tiny home over here. Like, I need $700,000 to – to do cocaine with quails while I build a tiny home in my backyard. Like, what the fuck? Seriously. $700,000 for quails on cocaine during times of pressing scientific need. Like, this is in time of a pandemic. It's like, well, what do you guys spent money on in 2019 and 20? I, I look here, $700,000 doing blow with birds, man. That's fucking wild. That's wild and in the it's ridiculous. Absolutely. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. And that's just that's the world we fucking live in. All right, so we basically said all that just so we could say we did not talk about COVID with Charlie <laughs> Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> so, here is your COVID fucking news. Yeah, we did it. We uh, waited for a while to pop that cherry yeah. too, man. We get we get into so much other stuff with Charlie Robinson, and I mean, really, we could have went so many different ways with him. He ha- he has so much knowledge about so many different things that we just kind of took a let's just grab everything that we can approach, and you know, it's it's goodness, beautiful goodness, as the homie. I dude, I absolutely love Charlie, and I'm so glad that this happened, and I'm glad you guys are about to listen. And if you don't listen to macroaggressions, you will after this. And you'll see part of the the squad that is out here in the in the podcasting realm. Uh and we're glad I'm glad to be yeah. part of it, man. Like, let's go, dude. For sure. Go yeah, go check out Charlie Robinson on macroaggressions. Check out his book, Octopus of Global Control, and show him some love. Tell him rising from the ash has sent you. Yes. So he so he feels it, you know? Uh, so here's our interview with Charlie part one. Hope you enjoy. Wait, wait, wait. I hope, sorry. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy. Ancient stories. Welcome to Rising from the Ashes. I'm Danny Naki Dan. <laughs> I'm the homie Romy. What's happening, everybody? We going? have to. We'll. Like oh I. I don't. I can tell you um, about all of the butterflies in my belly right now because we have 
<laughs> somebody who is amazing and i don't know i feel like a, i feel like a fanboy at this point honestly i've been <laughs> it's, it's so good i uh, he's hot and let me grab the fan um so this <laughs> this here he is he is the tentacle detangalizer the tyrannical technocratic defacer the men of men among the sheep in the deep throwing shade upon the globalist and the dad i never had charlie robinson hello <laughs> oh man <laughs> we were just talking about greg carlwood's intro yeah, yeah, i think see? he might have some competition with this yeah. one. i mean that was pretty fucking awesome so. <laughs> thank you for having me i'm i'm excited to get weird with the two of you so let's oh, thank do it. you thank you man i appreciate it so your show macroaggressions has been on uh for like a little over a year yeah it started, I think the first episode started on March 7th of 2020, just, just like right when the the corona situation kicked off. I Obviously, I had no, no, no reason to time it like that. I had pre-recorded a, a couple of shows, a couple episodes in advance, and I was all ready to go, and I was getting everything done, and I came back from Anarchapulco a couple of weeks earlier. I'm like, all right, we're, we're ready. We're going to put it out. Boom. And they came out, and it, it started right when the... Um, right when the lockdowns kicked off. And I remember thinking, well, this is either going to be the best timing or the worst timing. And I can't really tell which one it is, but uh, it turned out that it, it, it seems awesome. like a lot of people, a lot of people liked it, you know, or maybe they were, they were home or they had extra time to get into these things. And, um, and so people have been enjoying it, but nobody enjoys it more than me. I just, I just really, it's such a treat to do it and yeah. it's so much fun. And I get, you know, I get feedback from people that are like, Oh, this is so interesting. And I just, you know, I'm just, I'm humbled and I really love, I really love that. And, you know, it, and sometimes I had to like ask myself, like, am I talking to, you know, when I'm recording, am I just talking to myself? I mean, is anybody really hearing this? And, and cause you, you do it, you put it out there into the universe, you know, and then it's sort of out of your control. And you guys know you have a show, you, you don't know who's listening to it. And then I go on chartable and I see that it goes to like number one in Turks and Caicos and in Nigeria. And I'm like, and, and, and in Pakistan. And I'm like, how, why? Like I'm flattered, but like, uh what's going on? Like, how, how is this happening? I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's done all right. It's done well in the US and Canada and in those places too. But it always, you know, it blew my mind that there are people all over the planet listening to me talk about whatever random shit I'm talking about at the, at the moment. And it it kind of makes you feel like, well, we are, uh, you know, this technology that we have can go both ways. You know, it's, it can be used horribly against us in a in real negative way, mm -hmm. uh, but it can also connect us so that somebody in, in you know, in Pakistan is enjoying my, uh, several people apparently are enjoying my show. And, um, and that is crazy to me. And, and, and also, you know, just a really nice way to kind of feel like, okay, well, we can connect the world uh, in a positive way or we can connect it in a negative way. I guess it's how we choose to do it. Yeah. Our first guest was uh, Sergio Halaby and he's from Bahrain, uh, which is, he said it was right next to Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure if it's actually Saudi Arabia or if it's part of something else. Cause it's right in, it's like an Island in the Persian Gulf. Yeah. It's right off of like the Southeastern part of Saudi Arabia. It, yeah. It, yeah. That, that, yeah, and I it's it's funny. I did uh you know who Bishop Larry Gators is? Yeah. 
he had me on his show and we did like two <laughs> hours on his radio show and we were, and he's like, let's open up the phone lines. I was like, all right, well, you know, I don't know, you know, you don't know where, dude, the calls were coming in from like, we got a call from Afghanistan. We got a, a, a call from United Arab Emirates, uh, Oman. <laughs> and I was like, wow, everybody like who's what? listening, you know? So you never, you never really know. That's the beautiful part about it because I feel like, you know, the consciousness of the internet is kind of like what people describe as the Akashic record, right? It's something that we can tap into that doesn't have that physical body, but we can, I like, when I'm listening to your show or shows in general, um, it's like a headphones on, man, I'm out, you know, I'm outside and it's a, a voice in my head as I'm you know, consciously looking out at the trees and the scenery. And I'm just like, yo, we're, we're connected when we listen to people. And that's the great, my favorite thing about technology that that's come to this point so far. Yeah. And the podcast world is so, it's so funny because it's like, um, you know, you listen to these people and you feel like, you know, them, you do know, you know, a part of them, you, you know them, but they don't know you necessarily, which is kind of, which is kind of weird, but like almost creepy. Like as we as as we talk about Greg Carlwood, like yeah, I I've now you know done his show a couple times and talked to him and everything, but I feel like I've known him for years, yeah. just because I know the show, I hear his voice, I hear him talk, you know. So it's it's a it's a very personal kind of connection that you get with people that could border on creepy, right? You know, I mean, it could be like. You'd be like, you talk to me, you know, I hear you in my head or, or, or he's my best friend. I hear him, you know, I listen to him every day, you know, he comes on and talks to me for two hours, but, (laughs) but it is, it's neat though. It, it, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of goofing on it, but, but it is, it is like in a, in a pot, in a very like positive way. It's amazing. You know, it's amazing that this information can get, get out there and you can basically, you know, we were so like captive to the television set or even the radio, you know, things come on at a certain time or, or in, on a certain channel and maybe you don't get access to that. But with the podcast world, you can just, you can just say, I want that. It, it, you know, some podcaster that, you know, in a, in a continent that you're, that's far away from you. I want that. And I want it. And I want to listen to it right now. And you can just instantaneously do that. And I just, it's just a cool, it's a cool concept. I'm, I, I desperately want to have Adam Curry come on my show at some point and explain <laughs> the genius behind coming you up with this whole. You guys would do great. That would be yeah, such a yeah. good show. We want him on Union of the Unwanted. We're, we're working on it. We'll see if we can get him. Yeah, I heard on one of his last shows, he said, him and John Dvorak, they were talking about how people are always asking him to be on their podcast. And they're like, yeah, right. We're not doing your podcast. I know. <laughs> we, 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 uh, we, we don't, we don't, we don't care. We're still going to ask. We're still going to, we're still, <laughs> we're going to have still to gonna say, we have, we have people, we have tangential f- friends, you know, like we, we, we know people that know them. So yeah, yeah. we're, we're, we're maybe a step closer than, than just blind, you know, than, than I, I, you know, than me just randomly sending them an email saying, Hey, would you like to come on my podcast? Which they will never respond to, I'm sure. But, but at some point, you know, we'd like to have them, talk about that because what they i wonder if uh you know like any great technology if you really had an idea when you were creating it what it would do or the ramifications of it it, 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 probably not but but to see how that 
that industry has developed into. I mean, I know who Adam. I know Adam Curry as MTV guy. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's because yeah. that's because I'm old. Or Joe, and, that's uh, Fear Factor I, guy too. Oh, did he do Fear Factor? I didn't even know that. No, I was saying Joe. Joe, Joe Rogan. Oh, Joe Rogan. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Joe, yeah, I remember Joe from <laughs> from from Fear Factor for sure. And you know, and and just think about what Rogan has done with the with the whole industry, man. To to go from like. I remember the first time I got into his podcast, it was at work and I worked at this job where it was like, we were this real estate development uh, project and it was under construction and I was the salesperson, but there wasn't anything to really sell. So I was kind of sitting in the office for like eight hours a day, not doing a whole lot, but watching all these YouTube videos. And I found out about Rogan. The earliest video that I remember was like 2010 that I was watching, it was it was Rogan and Duncan Trussell, and they were oh, talking God. about multiple universe, mo- like multiverse. Yeah, and they were talking about like what happens if you if you jack off and you like you're just coming through multiple dimensions and multiple <laughs> universes. Going, I was like, holy shit, this is the conversation I didn't know I needed to hear. You know, and like you get sucked in for a couple of hours, and you're like, that could never be. A television show. Talk about Seinfeld when they're like, it's a show about nothing. What's Rogan's podcast? Oh, it's a show about I'm going to bring in magicians and comedians and fucking archaeologists. And we're going to talk about all kinds of crazy shit. And I'm going to get high while I do it. And we're going to drink and smoke cigars. They'd be like, get the fuck out. You're not doing any of that stuff. We're not going to allow you to do it. And yet, and yet all of that works. And there's a gigantic batch of people in the world that are like, that's what I wanted to watch. You yeah, know, so it, it is. So I, I feel like uh, so, so much times that, you know, you don't really have like a really in-depth conversation with people anymore. At no. most, it's like about 20 minutes or so with your friends. And then it usually gets broken up by a girlfriend or your wife yeah. or whatever, or some other friend comes and jumps in and you don't really get those like one-on-one deep conversations that like, I remember having those when I was, you know, a teenager and getting high all the time with my friends, we would just we would talk about conspiracy shit all the time. That's all we talked about. Yeah, and so that's the best stuff to talk about when you're high. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like having a it's like having a, a an hour, depending on the show, an hour or two hour car ride with somebody where you re, where you get to just you that, get to have the long form conversations yeah, and, and that's yeah. you know that's what television has been missing because you might get like you know Larry King would do his little he'd do a half hour show you'd have the same guest for a half hour but but a lot of it was like the tonight show where you'd get somebody for 3 or 4 minutes yeah, you know what, what is that you can't all. it's all sound sound bites and, and and the questions are really scripted and it, you know and it it's got to fit a television format but when you take all that out and it's like Let's the two of us just talk for however long that opens you up for all sorts of interesting topics to get discussed. And, and, and I feel like Rogan was, was at his best before the Spotify stuff. You know, I feel like now he's kind uh, of looking over his shoulders. He didn't want to talk about certain things. I th- uh, well, he's not I on YouTube anymore he, either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the YouTube thing probably got him, you know, looking over his shoulder, like shit, you know, if I say the wrong thing, are they going to, they going to delete this channel? Like that would, that would be a shame. Well, um, you know, so, so it's the wild west of podcasting might be coming to a close. I think it might be that we start to get a little bit more censored or have people start to, you know, 
this this is valid. Uh, I think that that's coming. I think well, so with that though, we also have the um, the push for uh, new streaming like Rockfin, which you're on now with exclusive content, um, podcast 2.0. And so yeah. like Adam and other people are saying, the absolute importance for this, because this is a revolution that has happened and skyrocketed, especially with the technocratic takeover that is slowly coming upon us, that we spread the word of all of the other streaming sites. But then again, will those sites just continuously get shut down and shut down or will they just get swooped up like Bitcoin and then taken around the, the back and fucked and then made into the multiverse that all of this shit is? Are we forever fucked? Well, I mean, it, it, it's, a sh- it's a shame that we have to keep m- moving. You know what I mean? Like it's, like it's like you're at a great party when you're in high school at somebody's house and like the cops show up. And you're like, I'm not done tonight. Where are we all going? Whose house are we going? They're breaking up this party. We got to go somewhere else. Like, who's who's got the house where we can go? And so we're constantly trying to find where the you know where the next party is, where the after party is. And because this one's getting broken up, and it sucks because you can't build anything. You know, it's like quicksand. You know, you can't build anything on top of it because because one day you wake up, the terms of service change, and you're gone. You know, I mean, I got, I just got uh, a strike on YouTube a week ago uh, for a, a video with a an eighty year old man who wrote a book about COVID. He, he wasn't talking madness. He wasn't threatening violence. He wasn't doing anything, and it got taken down after like an hour of being up. So I, I've got you. I've got a YouTube channel, and I use it for my own selfish reasons. You know, to get the word out and, and everything. But I don't trust them. And I don't trust them at all. I know that I won't be there for long. I've already been kicked off Twitter once. I've been put in Facebook jail four or five times. I, But but not even for like crazy shit. In, in all of those instances, the strikes, the kicked off Twitter, I made a joke. When are we going to throw Bill Gates into a volcano? This was like <laughs> February 2020, before the pandemic, surprisingly. And like, they threw me off. They didn't suspend me. They deleted my account. You know, the Facebook stuff was all in 2019 for posts that I put up in 2017. Like, like you're, so you're retroactively going back through stuff and then finding a a picture you don't like, and then putting me in a a 30 day ban for that. And then while I'm in a 30 day ban, putting me in another one that's, I mean, so none of the social media platforms are safe. We have to constantly move and we have to find places like, so we're, you know, like you mentioned, we're at Rockfin right now because that's a, that's a great platform for people. They, they told us what the terms were before we signed up. They said, listen, don't advocate violence or do anything crazy like that. Don't go in and start, you know, doing Adolf Hitler tutorials and shit like that. And we're like, none of us are going to do that. You know, we, you, we appreciate ridiculous. that you set the parameters, those are reasonable. We're not doing any of that stuff anyway. So let's just operate and let's let's talk about uh, the things we want to talk about. And so that's why, you know, if you see if you're looking for tinfoil hat on on YouTube and you're not finding it, it's because it's on Rockfin. You can't have it on on YouTube because because you never know what they're gonna they're gonna flag or, or you never know what the algorithm is gonna flag. It's not even yeah. like necessarily people. It's just like some bot somewhere that finds a word or a phrase or combination of words and goes ding and then you, you know i i was thrown off twitter for advocating violence 
for, <laughs> for saying we're going to, you know, w- when are we going to throw Bill Gates into a volcano? I was like, and they were like, would you like to respond? I was like, this is stupid. Just stop. Have a human being look at this. It's clearly a joke. Nobody's dragging a person up and throwing them into a volcano. <laughs> I mean, they, they should, but they aren't. Just, you know? just so, don't worry. He's, he's, getting, he's getting divorced. His wife will do all that for him. I know he's getting dragged through the proverbial volcano right now, <laughs> which is fine with me. <laughs> yeah. So okay, I know you wanted uh, me to talk about. Oh, you, we were going to talk about like my my history leading up to this, how I got into this. Do we still want to do that? Yeah, dude. No, set it off. Let's go. How did you come All about right, to so- be the man you are today? <laughs> I'll tell you. You know it. It was an incremental process, really. It wasn't. It wasn't like. It wasn't like on the morning of 2001, I had it all figured out. Like I didn't for years. You know, it took. You know, it was two thousand four. I'm going. Mm, I don't think this is right. I think there was a big a, a big problem with it. But really, you know, so I was I was extremely suspicious of the official story. I think I had, uh, you know, I'd watched some videos or read read reports and articles and things like that i wasn't fully into it but i knew that there was some i knew that that was not 19 arab hijackers with box cutters i was positive of that but it wasn't until 2007 a buddy gave me john perkins book confessions of an economic hitman and that really changed my life because it I, I read about the banking component, like the way the uh, the IMF and World Banks, uh, how they team up with these guys that were economic hitmen, and they go and, and convince countries to take on this massive amount of debt to finance something like an infrastructure project, like building a, da- a hydroelectric power plant or something. And John Perkins, his role back in the 60s and 70s was to go to these countries and meet with the presidents and say, listen, you know, this would be a great opportunity for you. If you wanted to build this dam here, it'll generate all this electricity. It'll pay for itself. And, you know, 13 years, it'll pay itself off and you have all electricity. You'll be brought into the new world and, and your kids will learn to read all these great things, right? We'll put some money in your pocket. You know, don't worry about that. And so these countries sign on to these, these projects, this debt. And and Owen Perkins would say, "Oh, the IMF and World Bank are already fine. I got you approved for the loan, you know, like any good salesman." And so they would take on these this large debt and build out this uh, hydroelectric power plant, and the revenue would start coming in, but it would it wouldn't be anywhere near what they were told it would it would be. And so they start falling behind in their payments, and then the IMF and World Bank go to them like a loan shark and go, "You know, you oh. owe us a lot of money." <laughs> And uh, we're not happy about this, but maybe we can work something out. Maybe what you do is you privatize your lumber and, or your fishing industry and you sell it off to our buddies or you you vote our way in a UN resolution or you, uh, you allow the US to put a military base. It's some shitty deal, right? And I was like, oh my God, like that's the most devious trick I've ever heard. And, and at this time, what was important in my world was that at this time I was living in Las Vegas and I was working in real estate. Uh, and, and I still work in Las Vegas real estate, but uh, I w- it was right during like the peak of the boom. And we were giving loans out. I was selling new homes and we were giving loans out to guys that had like this one guy, I remember, made $10 an hour. He was like, he picked fruit for a living. 
and he was buying a $405,000 house. And I was like, this guy's never going to be able to make the payments. And yet he's approved for a loan. Like how the fuck is there, is he approved? Like, why are we, how can we, I want to sell a house. Like it's my job to sell a house, but like, how is this guy getting approved? And there was all this like, you know, shim shammery going on in the mortgage industry. And they're like, it doesn't even matter if he, if he doesn't like pay his first payment, because as soon as this loan is, is, you know, as soon as this closes escrow and it's finalized, we're taking this loan and selling it off to wall street. It's their problem, not ours. So I was like, Oh, okay. So I understand the mortgage backed securities thing. And then it blew up, you know? So what I realized was that what Perkins was talking about with these big banks offering loans to countries, we were doing on a smaller level. We were offering little loans to little people and getting them in a bind. And they weren't able to pay their bills because there was an adjustable rate mortgage. It was going to spike 4% the following year. These guys didn't read the fine print. They didn't know that. And then the banks would just come. You'd miss a couple payments. The banks would just come and take your house. So I was like, so they're creating fake money out of a computer. Mm-hmm for these mortgages and getting a tangible house in exchange. Like what a racket. And so it, it woke me up to this whole, like the financial component of it. And that made me want to know more about like how money works, how, what the federal reserve is and what central banking is, why we have that, what the relationship is between this private central bank, the federal reserve, and why we're told that it's not private, why we're told that it's quasi private or you know, part of the government when it's not, I I had to learn all of that. And just, just if for no other reason than to just have an idea of how the scams work. So I wouldn't walk into one again. And so yeah. And that's, that's what it, that's what, where that started. And then, you know, as you learn a little bit and you go down a rabbit hole, you want to find more and more. You want you want as much information as you can. You start to get interested and you find this new thing and this new thing. And then it was at one of these days, my mom had come over to my house and um, and I'd found some new thing and I was telling her all about it. And she goes, that's really interesting. That's totally fascinating. She goes, you have all this information now, all this stuff that you've learned over the years and what are you going to do with it? And I was like... <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know I had to do anything with it. I was just like gonna, I was just thinking about it. I wasn't doing anything with And I was like, shit, do I have to do something with it? Like, am I obligated? Now I have this information. Do I have an obligation to, to get it out? And that made me start to think about like, well, if I did, what would I do? I'm, I'm not a director. I don't know how to make a movie. I, I'm not a radio host. Yeah, I, maybe I'll write something. Maybe I'll write articles or maybe I'll write a book. Or, so I didn't tell anyone and I just quietly started writing what wound up becoming the octopus of global control. And I didn't, I didn't tell anybody I was writing it. Not my mom, not my wife, not my friends. I didn't want any sort of like. You didn't tell your wife? <laughs> no. And that caused a problem, by the way. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, you know how it is. You don't want to like oh, I think I'm going to go write a book. And then you tell all your friends, I'm going to go write a book. And then like six months later, your friends are like, hey man, how's that book coming? And you're like, oh, I didn't write it. So I didn't know if I was going to write it. Or not. Mm-hmm. So I didn't say anything. I didn't want that obligation. You know, I didn't want the pressure or, or, or anything like that. So I, and I didn't know if I was even going to be feeling it. So I started writing in, at, in secret and I just wanted to see how that went. And after I wrote, you know, a hundred pages or so, I was like, okay, I think I, I think I like where this is headed. And I wrote, 
uh, more and more and more. The book, the book is a monster. It's 540 pages, but it was 790 before I started that my process of, of editing and, and getting everything down. So I wrote for a long time and I wrote in total secret. I mean, like snuck out of bed in the middle of the night when I had an idea and wrote like, yes. uh, you know, half a page and then like went back, <laughs> like the shit, you know, that stuff. And, um, and then I, and I didn't tell my wife and when the first book, shipment of books showed up at at my house i wasn't there to get it oh my she god there. she thought oh what's what's this box and opened it up and found all these books and like flipped it over and on the back was my face that's and crazy. she threw me out of the house for two days because what? i was emotionally cheating on her oh, oh. yes classic were you gonna but surprise like, her you were just gonna mean... like <laughs> bring a bottle of wine home and I, be like I, honestly, also babe i, I wrote this fascinating book <laughs> Yeah, I really, I really kind of was dreading that part, but I was, I was at some point going to have to do that. Well, she beat me to it and, and she was not pleased, you know, and of course in my defense, like there are worse things that your husband can do behind his, behind your back, right. Than, than write a book, you know, I mean, I could have like another family (laughs) in, in a different state or something. So I wasn't, I was like, come on, you know, like I wasn't. I, I wasn't like super apologetic because I didn't think it was the worst thing I'd ever done, but, uh, I can, you know, I can see her, her point. But anyway, that's, that's how the, that's how the octopus book came about. Like I just, at first I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want somebody to ask me if I was going to finish it. And then it became, I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want someone to tell me to stop because I felt like I was onto something and it would be too easy for somebody to say, Oh, don't do that. I mean, what are you doing? Who's going to read, who's going to see this? This is all, this is going to be out there forever with your name attached to it. If you, you know, if somebody wants to say that you're a conspiracy theorist or a, 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 you know, tinfoil hat wearing lunatic, they're going to have this book out there, you know? And I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I don't care because I, I stand by it, you know, and, and, and it's not to say that everything in there is going to eventually all be proven true. I'm going to, there's going to be some things that I'm going to have gotten dead wrong. And I will, I will admit to that and I will change that. I will make corrections in future books, but given the information I had at the time, I felt I did a, a pretty good job of sort of compiling this information in a way that, that, that people could understand, you know, because I had to, I had to understand it, you know, I had to try and take this some of these complicated subjects and try and boil them down to something that was like easy to, to get. And the way I did that was by taking quotes, all these quotes from different people. I put 700 quotes in the book from over 500 different people that had some role or some, uh, you know, importance in an event that had, uh, you know, that was important for him, human history or for, for our history. So it's like Rockefellers and Rothschilds and Clintons and Bushes and people like that, but also George Carlin and Bill Hicks and Rogan and, and guys like that, that also saw these events but from a different point of view that I thought was funny or insightful or something like that. So if I'm, so if I'm talking about the new world order, you know, and everyone goes, I'll oh, get the fuck out of here with that new world order stuff. That's a, you, conspiracy theorists. It's like, no, no, let me show you all the times that George HW Bush was talking about it, about the queen. Mm-hmm. I got jo- John Kerry. I got Al Gore. I've got the Pope. I've got, you know, I've got Ted Heath. I've got, I've got all these people talking about the money. new world order. <laughs> you got yeah, money. Yeah, yeah <laughs> this is not. 
this is not a uh, a conspiracy theory. This is the name they have for themselves. This is what they call themselves. So I'm not naming them this. They're naming themselves this, and they talk about it openly. So I felt like a lot of this stuff, like if you're talking about crazy, crazy shit like this, and you've got to kind of show a little bit of proof. So like I felt like it's important for you if you want to if instead of being dismissive about the new world order what if you read all these people that you recognize talking about it now would it be more real to you and the answer is of course it would like i didn't know that prince charles and prince philip and all these guys are talking about all this stuff like holy shit you know if i had known that that might that might change the way i viewed them or it might make me it might legitimize what you're talking about a little bit more so that was kind of the reason for the formatting of the book and i think it is helpful for people to kind of be able to see like recognizable names and that some of the things that they've said that didn't Absolutely. wind up on television but they said it and 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 for you to go oh shit this is this is serious you know yeah that's very, so, very important I'm going to let you get into this in a second because I want to know what the eight tentacles of global control are based on the octopus. But is there more than eight tentacles? Did you? Is there any other control mechani- mechanisms that you have found later maybe or per se or maybe something that you didn't put in it that you also think could be a control mechanism? Well, I put in such a broad variety of topics that I feel like I covered a lot of them, but did I cover all of them? Of course not. I mean, there, there, no. But, but, but when you, some of the the tentacles are, you know, governmental control. That's pretty broad. Yeah. You know, yeah. covert control, military control, financial control, spiritual control. You know, scientific, me, uh, media. You know, so, so when you're when you're when you're talking about like spiritual control, well, that takes on religion. And psychedelics too, mm-hmm. you know, so I'll, I might have one tentacle, but it branches out into a bunch of different directions. So it covers quite a bit of, of the control mechanisms and, and they're, you know, the thing is that a lot of them, we don't even recognize, you know, like we don't recognize the, that, uh, religion though, though there are some fantastic components of it is the, probably the biggest control mechanism ever created it it keeps it keeps people in a certain framework of of thinking and and that could be good and that could be bad you know it just it really depends on who's who's in charge of of driving that thinking but but that's a control mechanism our money is a control mechanism i mean then of course there's 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 physical control which was one of the tentacles and that's like you know where they physically take you away put you in prison or control you and physically take you and send you to foreign countries to fight in wars and things like that. So there's a there's a whole different spectrum of forms of control. But really what I wanted to focus on were the most devious ones, the ones that really impact us um on our, you know, on a daily mm-hmm. daily basis. And that's like the, you know, and I and I think if I laid them all out and and ranked them as far as what was what's the most dangerous of the tentacles um you know the military one is is like the most dangerous in terms of like direct connection to death and destruction but i think the most dangerous overall is the banking one yeah because it's so it's so hidden and most people don't understand it and don't know enough about it but the way the banking system is set up is so predatory 
and so slanted for the it it, it creates oligarchy. It, it 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 sets up a system where it it is you're guaranteed to to have a huge underclass of people just because of the way that the the monetary system is is played and the use of central banks and how that is and how nobody is educated on that in school intentionally and so i th- and, and the the way that the banking and, and the withdrawing withholding money from certain regions and how how that has contributed to starvation and things it's just been used for such shitty purposes and then right one notch below that i i put the media there the media is so dangerous they are just they're they're psychopathic in in how they operate and what they do to us and god after going through the last year year and a half i mean yeah boy if if you if we can't see the media for who they really are you know that they love a good i mean if it was up to the mainstream media there'd be a school shooting every week you know, if they had any say in it, and they well, might. Well, they're the hype men. They, they're the ones that hype everything that they want you to hear to influence you in that direction. Yeah. So that's yeah. why they're the most dangerous because they're the guys screaming, you know, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. They're the ones screaming that, which gets a bigger reaction. They got to get listeners too. So, <laughs> yeah. And usually yeah. it's the most negative things that people attract themselves to rather than positive things. And when you hear somebody died or passed away or something, people want to listen to that, just like a car accident on the freeway, everybody slows down to look at it, you know? So it, it's it's that type of thing that we're just attracted to, like moss at, at a light bulb. Yeah. yeah. And there, Don Henley has a, a song, Dirty Laundry. And he, and he said, uh, you know, um, it's interesting when people die in it, you know, he's talking about the media, you know, mm-hmm. how, how, how they're, that's how they, they view it. It's, it's, it is interesting when people die. It's, it makes for a fascinating story instead of, you know, everything was great today. It was unicorns and rainbows. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice if they, from time to time threw that in there, but, but they've, you know, they've, they've test marketed that and that doesn't really get you ratings. What, what people want to see is breaking news and they have these like audio, Ding, you know, like the the this the sound that sort of s- signals that this is an important event, kind of like that emergency <laughs> thing that goes off and scares the shit out of everybody. There, there's a certain psychological component to the way the media presents their news uh, through the visuals. I'm sure there's hidden messages in there and subliminal messages. I mean, just it, throughout the whole thing. But but the the colors they use and the noises that they use and the breaking news thing and all that. It's it's like science, you know. They they have broken it down with science, science. Of psychological science of viewership and things like that, and and what makes you watch and and you know, I mean, it goes it goes back to like like if you saw uh, Howard Stern's movie Private Parts, when they're talking about like the people that love you listen to you on average for an hour and a half, and it's like, well, the people that hate you listen to you on average for two and a half hours, and you're like why you know like it's because they want to know what you're going to say next and so the media has been doing that for a while they they know that they can scare you into getting hooked on their product and their product is fear and paranoia and chaos and they have an agenda and a narrative that they're they're working on and their their job is to is to fill your head with all this information doesn't have to be true. Most of it isn't and, and get you feeling a certain way about things so that you're just emotional and then send you out into the world to go get on Twitter and (laughs) yell at people and stuff like that, you know? 
So I, 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 um, I'm curious what can, I'm going to ask you a very direct question. Um, because this is super interesting, predictive programming. Okay. Predictive programming through media. Um, and it's obvious to me now that media conglomerates like Disney and all of that, the streaming services that have come to, you know, us being in lockdown and so on and so forth, but specific to the birth of predictive programming came at, you know, after we had operation paperclip and the psychological experiments really started to uh, hammer on over here. It, I think I heard one time, you know, a couple times the birth of it, uh, the CIA actually saying the easiest way to manipulate people will be through the media. And so that's what we're starting. They made like a public announcement about it or some shit, <laughs> which is fucking crazy. But um, can you enlighten us and all of our beautiful human listeners on the birth of predictive programming at all? And our non-human listeners. Oh, yes. oh even the non-human ones too. I'll take all whatever whoever wants to listen. Um, <laughs> my listen, my, when I'm writing, I my cat usually sits on my lap or on my desk, and my cat I catch my cat sometimes watching David Ike. Like if I have a David Ike video on it, so my cat is actively getting red pilled by David Ike. Um, <laughs> so predictive programming is fascinating. I think that it's not just the CIA involved in this. I think the Tavistock Institute in the UK is 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 part they are the culture factory for the world. You know, they're the ones that brought you the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and all that shit. I mean, they they make trends happen. They were they were heavily involved in the creation of of some of these counterculture movements that seem authentic but really were co-opted from the beginning. So they are definitely when it comes to shaping society yes through any kind of programming tavistocks will have institute will have their fingerprints all over it for sure whether that be false flag events or media manipulation or whatever they know about it they're the ones that are watching this but the cia has an interesting connection because they have been so deep into the newsrooms of the main media outlets for 60 or 70 years. I mean, really, I think it started in the in the 60s when when they did maybe even earlier, but but Laurel let's Canyon. just say the 60s. They they were they were, you know, Operation Mockingbird is a thing, you know, it got exposed in church commission hearings and th- it's the CIA runs the news rooms. Period. End of story. That is you now you have a Jeff Zucker at CNN who is in charge of his guys. But he's taking his marching orders from the Council on Foreign Relations or the Atlantic Council or or the CIA or whoever. And they're, they're all shaping the narrative. They're the ones that are telling you what is going to be talked about. You know, that's why when when Project Veritas busts, you know, does the goes undercover and gets the CNN guy on on hidden camera talking about it, saying, yeah, well, you know, we, we make Biden look cool, like a like a cool geriatric. We put him in the aviator sunglasses and all that stuff. But we're getting ready to move on from Biden. It's just going to be climate change from now on. Yes. Well, how do you know that? Well, you know that because it's it's scheduled. It's an agenda. It's pushed out on a on, on a, you know, first we're doing this, then we're doing that. It's not organic news. So the the newsrooms and 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 the media in general are able to predict the programming because they're creating it and they create it years in advance so like Bilderberg meetings which are a real thing and and, and guys get together there and they discuss the plan for a couple of years that's why after you go to those meetings and have those interactions and that you plot out you know like your 
plotting out for a business. You say, this is our five-year plan. This is what we want to do. This is the steps we're going to take to get there. And that's why you can have a guy like Fauci come out in 2017 and say, you know, Donald Trump's going to get a pandemic during his presidency. Well, how does he know that? Well, he knows that because they've been role-playing these things with Event 201 and with SPARS pandemic and things like that. So, so these things that are happening are planned a couple years in advance, sometimes even longer than that. But but the details get worked out just a couple years in advance. So you'll find predictive program, you'll find advanced knowledge of these things. You'll find production companies putting out movies about things. And then those things wind up happening just like the movies, you know, like you go, God damn, how did, how did they know to do that? A lot of these guys are involved in these meetings. They, they, this is part of what you do. You, you prep the population for what's coming. You, you give it a little bit here, a little bit there. You make a comment here. Like we, like what we see right now with prime example, the UFO stuff on, on the news all the time. Like a year ago, if you talked about UFOs on Tucker Carl, he'd say, get out of here with that stuff. We're not talking about UFOs. Now they do it with a straight face. Why is that? Because this is it. This is the beginning of it. Drip, drip, drip. You're going to yeah. see more and more stories. So so they predict it. They, the programs are predictable because they're, the agenda is set years in advance. And, and part of the agenda sometimes is to make content that will ease the public into accepting a certain way of life or a certain event coming their way. So like, if you remember before this whole COVID thing, you might not know, you might not have, have, have seen this one, but, but it was going around for a while. There was a commercial that was being played. And in the background of the commercial, like the commercial was like a kid was watching TV what they were watching on the TV, if you cranked up the volume, it was sort of like a, a kind of a scary official announcement, but it was like uh, report to the mandatory vaccination camps and get yourself to the, you know, uh, the, the female, <laughs> female will be in town to do those, you know, and you're like, what is, what is this kid watching? You know, and you hear it, maybe you hear it subconsciously, but I mean, it, 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 the video got around, people were cranking it up. It was like martial law has been declared. Go to, you know, the mandatory vaccination. Now this is pre 2020. That's nuts. So somebody is doing something mm-hmm. to prep us. And I know that sounds crazy and paranoid and it might be coincidental on some of these things, but there's too many of these things, too many events that have happened well in advance people, you know, that for them to, for it to be totally fake. So I think that, um, the reason why they keep predicting these things and getting it right is because, they're the ones creating it. You know, a lot of they're, they're allowing this stuff to happen. So that's, that's why. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you brought up the, the alien agenda. What? Yeah. Let's, let's, I want to kind of get into that a little bit. Let's. Me like, too. What have they been, <laughs> you know, because they've been talking about, you know, UFO people have been saying we need disclosure. We need disclosure, but now the disclosure is here. As a UFO person or a formerly UFO person, now I'm like, ah, now it's bullshit. So it's like, it's fuckers. <laughs> so goddamn. It's a, uh. it's a double edged thing. And I remember when uh, the Blink 182 guy was on Joe Rogan talking about, you know, how he was talking to Podesta and they were getting that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that. What's the group called? What's the group there? Uh, to the Stars Academy. To the Stars Academy. Yeah. 
when they're getting all that started and everything. And everybody was like, what the fuck is going on with this shit? And then the next thing you know, we got the Navy confirming UFO Tic Tacs and everything. Now we have this, there's this disclosure that's supposed to come out in sometime around June, I believe, that they put into the COVID bill. How the fuck does aliens fit into a COVID bill? Why not? Everything about COVID's fake. You might as well throw the fake alien invasion in there while you're at it. I mean, do you think that there's something to do with whatever they're going to tell us that has to do with COVID? That it was, I mean, is there something that's like, that's why they're trying to get us to take all these vaccines so quickly and, and get us vaccinated? Because when this comes out, people aren't going to want to, or because people are going to have a different viewpoint of what the world is because they're going to release, or do you think they're just going to be like, uh, we don't have anything. (laughs) I I, I, I think that, I think that it it would be interesting if there was a, a, a sort of an overlap between them and there may be, there may be one that I'm not, I'm not seeing, but the, the COVID thing is a continuation of the terrorism thing, which is an mm-hmm. invisible enemy that's going to kill us at any time. So the alien threat could also be an invisible enemy that's going to kill us at any time too. Yeah. So so that sort of makes sense that they might – I feel like they're prepping us for that. And I agree. I want disclosure, but not like this. I, I mean I'm not ta- – look, disclosure from CIA, ex-CIA guys who, by the way, once CIA, always CIA. Um, Said. And Tom DeLong. Right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can't expect me. And the, and the other guys that are on the board combined, they have like a hundred years of CIA experience between them. Sorry, automatic disqualification. Not buying anything that those guys are saying about anything. The the Navy Tic Tac video, fine, whatever. I mean, there's thousands of videos that are better quality than that. Why does the Nate? Why why do these? The, why is the military always using cameras from the seventies? They don't have better technology than this. You can't get me a clear, crystal clear shot. You can you can put a fucking laser, you can shoot a laser beam off the moon, but you can't get me a clear image of this. So I I am I am a believer of UFOs. I am a believer in aliens. I have not had any encounters. I don't have that. I know somebody that has had a had an alien encounter, like a a the damn thing touched its his foot sort of encounter, and it. And he's a straight lace, as oh, straight yeah. lace of a guy as you could possibly picture. Picture the the head of a hedge fund, that type of guy, and that's the guy who is. It was I was related to me through through marriage. Alien touched straight his up foot. Said, <laughs> touched it yeah. like woke up in the middle of the night, and his wife is kind of kooky, but and he'd always thought his wife was just kind of a little little little. You know, she's just she had had experiences her whole life. And so he didn't know what to make of that. Really. He just, I guess he believed her, but you know, you only can believe just for so much, for so much, but until, you know, you have to kind of see it for yourself. And he's saying, you know, we woke up in the middle of the night and there was one standing at the foot of the bed and, and I'm going, okay. You know, and like, I'm listening to the story and, and, she's saying this and I'm going, okay, well, whatever. And then he goes, he goes, the damn thing touched my foot. And I, and it sent like a shock through me and I was frozen. And I thought, I'm having a heart, I'm having a heart attack right now. I feel like I'm having a heart attack. And, and so he said, 
when I heard him say that, I was like, holy shit, like that made it way real to me. So I'm a believer of that stuff. I think that it's, you know, it's out there and interesting and I want to know more about it. But, but I look 60 minutes doing a, a, a piece on it is not, <laughs> is not disclosure. That's bullshit. That's propaganda. And, and Lou Elizondo and Tom DeLong and these guys, this is, this is garbage. This is garbage UFO disclosure. This is not it, disclosure. Yes. This is propaganda. Yeah. This is a setup for something. That's it's, what it, it, it's got to be a setup for something. Now, is the setup the fake alien invasion that Werner von Braun talked about? And, and maybe, you know, Project Bluebeam is is definitely a thing. And and there's you know, and the technology that we know of is pretty damn good for it. The technology that we don't know of, who knows? I mean. Can, you know, can they make it look like that stuff is happening? My guess is they probably can, maybe not to the level that they're comfortable with, but, but if you're setting the the stage for an alien invasion, you might need to take your time, you know, and take a decade to, or two to really start to prime the audience for it. We get it in movies, you know, same with the predictive programming in movies. I mean, what are they trying to tell us? It could yeah. be, it could they're, be an they're, entire they're trying to tell us something, you know, they could be actually legit going to make a production and try to sell the production basically like, cause how are they going to tell it? They're going to tell it over screen somehow. So what yeah. if the entire thing is fucking CGI'd? Because here's another thing. Right. How, so the military doesn't have these fancy <laughs> fucking cameras to take good pictures of UFOs. But apparently we have a shit ton of satellites out in the sky. And Elon Musk, this alien fuck. Sorry about it. Elon Musk. Right. Sorry, bro. I don't trust that guy at all. Fucking dear sweet lordess yeah. SNL was just the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Because, you know. Uh, anyways. No satellites that have constant live feed have ever picked up anything. Really? That's where they would get, like, we have so many satellites in the sky. That's where we would get the clearest thing. So I, it, it just, it, I don't have know. You, it's, it's bad shit. Have you ever seen the video from the, from the space station that is, uh, or maybe it, it might not have been from the space station, it might have been from one of the shuttles. That was up. I didn't know it was, it was, it, it was, a, it was a shuttle launch and it's, and it's sort of like in, it's just in orbit and it's, it's out in space, but it's, it's done. It kind of looks like it's, uh, the earth below it is, is nighttime and you see this little thing moving it. And then you see a flash from the, from where the planet, you know, from like earth, this little thing is moving. You see a flash and then this thing changes directions and goes another way. And then you see a laser beam go right by yeah. it, right by where it was. This thing took off, Yeah, but it was oh, going shit. one way and it just stopped. And immediately it's STS something. Or you, you can look it up and find it. Mm-hmm. It looks like something at earth shot a laser, a, a beam of some kind okay. at that thing. And that thing saw it coming and moved. I, I had the only experience I've ever had with UFOs was actually kind of slightly like that. I was up um, working on a hill in California with a buddy, and this is deep with no electricity. It's all off grid, right? So absolutely no lights. It's like one in the morning, and we're just, you know, we're just hanging out looking at the stars. It's the clearest stars I've ever seen. And we see a shooting star go by. Beautiful. That was great. And then I see another shooting star go by and damn near the same exact area. I was like, oh, all right. 
there must be an asteroid show happening this evening. We had we had no idea, but we are in luck. But what happened, there started to be different shooting stars, asteroids, moving lights, all going towards the same direction, the same focal point that was up in the sky. And then, mm-hmm. then they all stopped. And then there was, in the focal point, a big bright like explosion that happened that was you know about like i would say the circumference of the sun size you know just a boom and it goes away and there was no more shooting stars or whatever but there was just at least 17 moving lights and then an explosion straight star wars swear to, it was wow that was it that's, that's the only thing i've ever seen yeah well, we've, we've that. got we've got a secret space program yeah i mean we have one and 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 so I wonder how much of that plays into this this alien component as well. Like at some point, they're going to have to disclose the TR3Bs that Lockheed Martin Skunk Works is building. They've got they're gonna have to. So too many people have seen them already. Yeah. And it's some, you know, it'll be like it'll be like the stealth when people go, Oh, well, there's no such stealth technology, and then we roll it out for the Iraq wars, and we're like, Well, yeah, maybe there is. And then you and then you see it all, all the time. I had a stealth bomber fly over me. I had my sunroof open in my car in Las Vegas one, one day I was leaving work and, and I saw this big shadow and then the big stealth bomber, I looked out, it, it was going over me and it was banking to turn, to land at Nellis air force base, but it was right over my head. I was Holy like, Holy shit. shit. But if you saw that, <laughs> if you saw that at night somewhere, you'd yeah. be like, that's a UFO for sure. You that's, know? Yeah. So, so, so speaking are we of, seeing those, you know? <laughs> yeah. So speaking on disclosure a little bit more, I was watching uh, uh, one of the newer episodes of Ancient Aliens, mm-hmm. and uh, Giorgio Sukulos was talking to uh, Captain Kirk, and uh, he said he thinks that Ancient Aliens has been disclosure. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, there's there's a <laughs> lot of like there's a lot of like paintings, and you know, like old paintings, you know, hundreds of years old that have like UFOs in, in them. And, and there's a lot of questionable, like cave paintings of aliens that have been drawn. I mean, I can't verify the authenticity of these things. Obviously I'm not a, I'm not an expert in that field, but, but if those things, if some of them are true, yeah. So then we've been seeing it for a while. Well, we're, we've been talking about the media and how the media puts out a message that they want us to hear. And given the fact that Ancient Aliens was such a huge show and it's been on for so many seasons, do you think that was part of the indoctrination? Probably. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, th- there's, there's, there's too many UFO movies for there not to be some sort of agenda behind it. I mean, I find them fascinating, but there's just a lot. I mean, it is a, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's like science fiction. That whole, that segment is like. So, so I, the reason why I think that, that there, there might be something to it is because like, think of the science fiction movies that, that are the books that Philip K. Dick wrote in like the 50s, 60s and, you know, and early seventies and that those like Blade Runner and, and Minority Report, dude, those, those are class. That's that's some of the most, that's predictive programming to a T. Yeah. That guy, like that like I feel like that guy got let in on something, you know, uh, so, something somebody either I don't know if that was like governments let him in on something or if he had some sort of 
ability to sort of get into a meditative state and 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 figure this all out or whatever. But that guy seemed like he was working off different source material than everybody else was because his predictions have come true, a lot of them. And yeah. and so I wonder if we've always, I mean, if, if, if civilizations before us have always known about aliens and that we're just the dummies and because of some decision made by our governments, uh, that all that information was hidden from us, but the people before us all knew about it. You know I mean? I think that's probably, that, that might've been the case, but so much of our history is, is buried from the library of Alexandria to, to Oof. all the wars that, you know, where the information gets lost to the, the Vatican controlling it and all of these things. There are a lot of factions that have a vested interest in keeping us in the dark about what is really going on. So it's possible that, that the alien disclosure isn't some gigantic false flag. It's just the admission of something that we should have known all along. Yeah. That these things are real and that they're here and they've been visiting us and they're not yes. necessarily bad, although some of them are and the mantid mantises will eat your heads or what. I mean, you know, be watch out for those, but the grays are fun. I mean, like I want it all. I want if, all this information. If and they, these fuckers deserve, they, we deserve it and they don't, <laughs> it's not their right to keep it from us. So, <laughs> but, but, but the problem is I won't believe them if they tell me. Yeah. Because that's I don't what I was that's exactly what I was going to ask you. If they did tell you that, would you still even believe no. them? Exactly. No, I wouldn't believe them. I would have to find, I would have to like Raiders of the Lost Ark, find the, you know, the Ark myself for me to really believe it. But because if, if it was, if it was what announced, if, if, um, if Don Lemon came on CNN and announced that aliens were real, am I going to believe him? You know what I mean? So it's like sucked up and sucked up and eaten right away. Just <laughs> that, that would be rad. I would be in, I would be in favor of. I'm not advocating violence, but if Don Lemon gets eaten Absolutely by a mantis, not. I will definitely believe that, that they're real. Yes. Um, okay. All right. All right. All right. Real quick. Real quick. Real quick. Here we go. I'm gonna go deep with this one. All right. I'm gonna go deep with this one here, boys. So tying in um, the belief that um, aliens could be coming from another dimension, right? So MK Ultra has been known to have do deep they potentially broke the t- the barrier space time barrier and broke to the other side um and if that was something that we know now with technology i think ancient cultures were able to possibly break into the other uh, dimensional time space do you believe or do you know what information you have about um, the deep psychological possible space-time breakage within MK Ultra experiments? Man, I mean, it's so <laughs> it's so weird because like what do we like what do they know that we don't know? You know, you have everything. like um yeah, everything, exactly. <laughs> you have Jordy Rose, the the founder of D-Wave, talking about, you know, who, who makes quantum computers. Talking about how they they go into parallel dimensions and drag back information. Mm. It's like, first of all, how are you doing that? What does that mean? Who's got the information? What is the information? Where are you getting it from? Like, how do you know if it's good information? Like, are you, you know, and so I have questions. I have a lot of questions about this stuff. And my guess is that the scientific community, you know, in in the the governmental side of the scientific community, like the the people that like at DARPA and 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 all these CIA or government deep secretive governmental organizations, the scientists that they have working on, like what do they know that we don't know? They might know. I mean, 
MK Ultra, you know, shattering your your time continuum. Fuck, maybe. I mean, if you've ever done DMT, that that breaks your time continuum as well. Yep. Because as far as you know, you've been out in in outer space for a million years, and you come back in, and it's been ten minutes, and you were you would have bet you would have bet everything that you were gone for. Uh, you know. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie DMT, the spirit molecule, but Placido Domingo is that his name? I think it, that's not the yes. singer, but there's a Placido Dominguez, I think is his name, not the singer. He, he is a shaman guy and he gives this really detailed explanation. And he said that he, when they, when they, they were doing the injectable DMTs for the study, he said he went to this place where it was just overloading his brain with information. And when it, when it was over and they took the blindfold off, he asked the doctor, how long was I gone? And the doctor said, 10 minutes. And he said, <laughs> he said, I, he said, I got a thousand years of information during that session. He, he thought he was gone for a thousand years. That's and he was gone wild. for 10 minutes. That's so, <laughs> so like we have a very different relationship with time than I think yes. a lot than maybe I think our brains do something like we have to process, like a, we have to compress things down. Like it, time goes into our brains and then our in order for us to understand it, it has to compress it down and make it like linear or something. But I mean, you want to talk about like a really interesting topic to get high and like go deep into is time. Yeah. I and mean, that'll break your brain right there, you know, but there, but so have they, have they cracked that? Maybe, you know, yeah. what is CERN yeah. doing? You know, are they going into, are they going into parallel dimensions? I mean, I know they said they might create a, a mini black hole. That's comforting. Uh, and, and, and you've got quantum computers doing things in parallel dimensions. I mean, I think our relationship yep. to time is pretty wonky and, and maybe, maybe we aren't the best arbiters of, of how time really works because our little brains don't are set up in a way that it's just dumbing it down for us so that we can under you know so that we can like work in, in a straight line but where, whereas i think that maybe we will come at some point in our evolution if we make it that far to understanding that time is much different than we think and if you can control time then you can control everything maybe yeah. that's what these globalist maniacs are trying to do that's is trying yeah. to figure out a way to control time all right well that was part one with charlie robinson so if you want to hear part two you got to stick around. And uh, also, I just want to tell everybody, too, that stick we come out with new episodes on the 10th, 20th, and 30th of each month. One, two, three. We do three episodes a month at the moment. We will try to do four as we kind of get into it a little bit more and, uh, you know, guests start coming to us more easily. So, also, uh, you know, check us out on Instagram at rising under slash FT under slash ashes under slash pod. And send us emails at rising FT ashes at yahoo.com. And uh, tell us, you know, your stories, if what guests you want to hear, what topics you want us to talk about, anything you want to know, fucking hit us up. We are wealth of information and we love to share our knowledge. 
so I hope you enjoyed the show today with Charlie Robinson. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Wake up, wake up. <laughs>